0: Chapter eighty one part two of the adventures of Peregrine Pickle, volume two. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Memoirs of a Lady of Quality, part two. I therefore resolved within myself to gratify my lover's expectation by eloping, if possible, that very night, though the execution of this plan was extremely difficult, because my father was upon the alarm, and my own maid, who was my bedfellow, altogether in his interest notwithstanding these considerations i found means to engage one of the housemaids in my behalf who bespoke a hackney-coach to be kept in waiting all night and to bed i went with my abigail whom as i had not closed an eye i waked about five in the morning and sent to pack up some things for our intended journey while she was thus employed i got up and huddled on my clothes standing upon my pillow lest my father who lay in the chamber below should hear me afoot and suspect my design having dressed myself with great despatch and disorder i flounced downstairs stalking as heavily as i could tread that he might mistake me for one of the servants and my confederate opening the door i sallied out into the street though i knew not which way to turn and to my unspeakable mortification neither coach nor chair appeared having travelled on foot a good way in hope of finding a convenience and being not only disappointed in that particular but also bewildered in my peregrination i began to be exceedingly alarmed with the apprehension of being met by some person who might know me because in that case my design would undoubtedly have been discovered from every circumstance of my appearance at that time of day for i had put on the very clothes which i had pulled off over so that my dress was altogether odd and peculiar my shoes were very fine and over a large hoop i wore a pink satin quilted petticoat trimmed with silver which was partly covered by a white dimity nightgown a full quarter of a yard too short my handkerchief and apron were hurried on without pinning my nightcap could not contain my hair which hung about my ears in great disorder and my countenance denoted a mixture of hope and fear joy and shame in this dilemma i made my addresses to that honourable member of society a shoe-black whom i earnestly entreated to provide me with a coach or chair promising to reward him liberally for his trouble but he having the misfortune to be lame was unable to keep up with my pace so that by his advice and direction i went to the first public-house i found open where i stayed some time in the utmost consternation among a crew of wretches whom i thought proper to bribe for their civility not without the terror of being stripped at length however my messenger returned with a chair of which i took immediate possession and fearing that by this time my family would be alarmed and send directly to lord w s lodgings i ordered myself to be carried thither backwards that so i might pass undiscovered this stratagem succeeded according to my wish i ran upstairs in a state of trepidation to my faithful lover who waited for me with the most impatient and fearful suspense at sight of me his eyes lightened with transport he caught me in his arms as the richest present heaven could bestow gave me to understand that my father had already sent to his lodgings in quest of me then applauding my love and resolution in the most rapturous terms he ordered a hackney-coach to be called and that we might run no risk of separation attended me to church where we were lawfully joined in the sight of heaven his fears were then all over but mine recurred with double aggravation i dreaded the sight of my father and shared all the sorrow he suffered on account of my undutiful behaviour for i loved him with such a piety of affection that I would have endured every other species of distress rather than given him the least uneasiness. But love, where he reigns in full empire, is altogether irresistible, surmounts every difficulty, and swallows up all other considerations. This was the case with me, and now the irrevocable step was taken. My first care was to avoid his sight with this view i begged that lord w would think of some remote place in the country to which we might retire for the present and he forthwith conducted me to a house on blackheath where we were very civilly received by a laughter-loving dame who seemed to mistake me for one of her own sisterhood i no sooner perceived her opinion than i desired lord w to undeceive her upon which she was made acquainted with the nature of my situation and showed us into a private room where i called for pen and paper and wrote an apology to my father for having acted contrary to his will in so important a concern this task being performed the bridegroom gave me to understand that there was a necessity for our being bedded immediately in order to render the marriage binding lest my father should discover and part us before consummation i pleaded hard for a respite till evening objecting to the indecency of going to bed before noon but he found means to invalidate all my arguments and to convince me that it was now my duty to obey rather than hazard the imputation of being obstinate and refractory on the first day of my probation i suffered myself to be led into a chamber which was darkened by my express stipulation that my shame and confusion might be the better concealed and yielded to the privilege of a dear husband who loved me to adoration about five o'clock in the afternoon we were called to dinner which we had ordered to be ready at four but such a paltry care had been forgot amidst the transports of our mutual bliss we got up however and when we came downstairs i was ashamed to see the light of day or meet the eyes of my beloved lord i ate little said less was happy, though overwhelmed with confusion, underwent a thousand agitations, some of which were painful, but by far the greater part belonged to rapture and delight. We were in paradise in the gratification of our mutual wishes, and felt all that love can bestow and sensibility and joy. In the twilight we returned to Lord W.'s lodgings in town, where I received a letter from my father, importing that he would never see me again." but there was one circumstance in his manner of writing from which i conceived a happy presage of his future indulgence he had begun with his usual appellation of dear fanny which though it was expunged to make way for the word madam encouraged me to hope that his paternal fondness was not yet extinguished at supper we were visited by lord w s younger sister who laughed at us for our inconsiderate match though she owned she envied our happiness and offered me the use of her clothes until i could retrieve my own she was a woman of a great deal of humour plain but genteel civil friendly and perfectly well bred she favoured us with her company till the night was pretty far advanced and did not take her leave till we retired to our apartment as our lodgings were not spacious or magnificent we resolved to see little company But this resolution was frustrated by the numerous acquaintance of lord w who let in half the town so that i ran the gauntlet for a whole week among a set of wits who always delight in teasing a young creature of any note when she happens to make such a stolen match among those that visited us upon this occasion was my lord's younger brother who was at that time in keeping with a rich heiress of masculine memory and took that opportunity of making a parade with his equipage which was indeed very magnificent but altogether disregarded by us whose happiness consisted in the opulence of mutual love the ceremony of receiving visits being performed we went to wait on his mother the duchess of h who hearing i was an heiress readily forgave her son for marrying without her knowledge and consent and favoured us with a very cordial reception insomuch that for several months we dined almost constantly at her table and i must own i always found her unaltered in her civility and affection contrary to her general character which was haughty and capricious she was undoubtedly a woman of great spirit and understanding but subject to an infirmity which very much impairs and disguises every other qualification in about three weeks after our marriage i was so happy as to obtain the forgiveness of my father to whose house we repaired in order to pay our respects and submission at sight of me he wept nor did i behold his tears unmoved my heart was overcharged with tenderness and sorrow for having offended such an indulgent parent so that i mingled my tears with his while my dear husband whose soul was of the softest and gentlest mould melted with sympathy at the affecting scene being thus reconciled to my father we attended him into the country where we were received by my mother, who was a sensible good woman, though not susceptible to love, and therefore less apt to excuse a weakness to which she was an utter stranger. This was likewise the case with an uncle, for whom I had great expectations. He was a plain good-natured man, and treated us with great courtesy, though his notions in point of love were not exactly conformable to ours.' Nevertheless, I was, and seemed to be, so happy in my choice, that my family not only became satisfied with the match, but exceedingly fond of Lord W. After a short stay with them in the country, we returned to London in order to be introduced at court, and then set out for the north on a visit to my brother-in-law, the Duke of H., who had, by a letter to Lord W., invited us to his habitation. My father accordingly equipped us with horses and money, for our own finances were extremely slender, consisting only of a small pension allowed by his grace, upon whom the brothers were entirely dependent, the father having died suddenly before suitable provision could be made for his younger children. When I took leave of my relations, bidding adieu to my paternal home, and found myself launching into a world of care and trouble, though the voyage on which I embarked was altogether voluntary, and my companion, the person on whom I doted to distraction, I could not help feeling some melancholy sensations, which, however, in a little time, gave way to a train of more agreeable ideas. I was visited in town by almost all the women of fashion, many of whom I perceived envied me the possession of a man who had made strange havoc among their hearts, and some of them knew the value of his favour one in particular endeavoured to cultivate my friendship with singular marks of regard but i thought proper to discourage her advances by keeping within the bounds of bare civility and indeed to none of them was i lavish of my complaisance for i dedicated my whole time to the object of my affection who engrossed my wishes to such a degree that although i was never jealous because i had no reason to be so i envied the happiness of every woman who he chanced at any time to hand into a coach the duchess of hm who was newly married to the earl of p a particular friend of lord w's carried me to court and presented me to the queen who expressed her approbation of my person in very particular terms and observing the satisfaction that appeared in my countenance with marks of admiration desired her ladies to take notice how little happiness depended upon wealth since there was more joy in my face than in all her court besides. Such a declaration could not fail to overwhelm me with blushes, which Her Majesty seemed to behold with pleasure, for she frequently repeated the remark, and showed me to all the foreigners of distinction with many gracious expressions of favour. She wished Lord W. happiness instead of joy, and was pleased to promise that she would provide for her pretty beggars.' and poor enough we certainly were in every article but love. Nevertheless we felt no necessities, but passed the summer in a variety of pleasures and parties, the greatest part of which were planned by Lord W.'s sister and another lady, who was at that time mistress to the Prime Minister. The first was a wit, but homely in person, the other a woman of great beauty and masculine understanding, and a particular friendship subsisted between them though they were both lovers of power and admiration this lady who sat at the helm was extremely elegant as well as expensive in her diversions in many of which we bore a share particularly in her parties upon the water which were contrived in all the magnificence of taste in the course of these amusements a trifling circumstance occurred which i shall relate as an instance of that jealous sensibility which characterized lord w's disposition a large company of ladies and gentlemen having agreed to dine at Vauxhall, and sup at marble hall where we proposed to conclude the evening with a dance one barge being insufficient to contain the whole company we were divided by lots in consequence of which my husband and i were parted The separation was equally mortifying to us both, who, though married, were still lovers. And my chagrin increased when I perceived that I was doomed to sit by Sir W. Y., a man of professed gallantry. For although Lord W. had, before his marriage, made his addresses to every woman he saw, I knew very well he did not desire that any person should make love to his wife. That I might not therefore give umbrage, by talking to this gallant, i conversed with a scotch nobleman who according to common report had formerly sighed among my admirers by these means in seeking to avoid one error i unwittingly plunged myself into a grainer and disobliged lord w so much that he could not conceal his displeasure nay so deeply was he offended at my conduct that in the evening when the ball began he would scarce deign to take me by the hand in the course of dancing and darted such unkind looks as pierced me to the very soul. What augmented my concern was my ignorance of the trespass I had committed. I was tortured with a thousand uneasy reflections. I began to fear that I had mistaken his temper, and given my heart to a man who was tired of possession, though I resolved to bear without complaining the misfortune I had entailed upon myself. I seized the first opportunity of speaking to him, and thereby discovered the cause of his chagrin. But as there was no time for expostulation, the misunderstanding continued on his side, with such evident marks of uneasiness, that every individual of the company made up to me, and inquired about the cause of his disorder, so that I was fain to amuse their concern by saying that he had been ill the day before, and dancing did not agree with his constitution. So much was he incensed by this unhappy circumstance of my conduct, which was void of all intention to offend him, that he determined to be revenged on me for my indiscretion, and at supper, chancing to sit between two very handsome ladies, one of whom is lately dead, and the other at present my neighbor in the country, he affected an air of gaiety, and openly coquetted with them both. This was not the only punishment he inflicted on his innocent wife. In the course of our entertainment, we engaged in some simple diversion, in consequence of which the gentlemen were ordered to salute the ladies when lord w in performing this command unkindly neglected me in my turn i had occasion for all my discretion and pride to conceal from the company the agonies i felt at this mark of indifference and disrespect however i obtained the victory over myself and pretended to laugh at his husbandlike behaviour while the tears stood in my eyes and my heart swelled even to bursting End of chapter 81, part 2